This is a main hustle media podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the single simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Main Hustle Media podcasts are recorded on the traditional lands of the Karankawa, the Chumash, and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine Fury, the Busiest mixed race, by gender, bisexual, polyamorous, atheist, comic book nerd, cat mom, and two-time Asian American Podcasters Association's Golden Crane Award-winning podcaster in this podcasting game. This is episode 156, and I have to apologize up front about last week. I, I said it in my social media post, but I just plum tuckered out. Um, I got a few things in flux right now or in transition and some of those things I can talk about some of those things I can't talk about yet and it it was just a lot um I had I have been transferring over all of my podcasts to a new host called Podetize and it's supposed to help me monetize my podcast and put all my podcasts in one place uh, versus what I have been doing which is kind of having new or having different podcasts on different host sites because of money. This is a one-stop shop supposedly for me to be able to do all that and in the transition to get all my podcasts over there nothing was working at first and the customer service has left me wanting. So hopefully in the next week this will all get resolved and then everything will be great. But because of that and because I was so tired in all the process I wasn't able to get that finished finalized in time to release an episode so between that and some other stuff that's going on personally I was just pretty tired and I got to a place where for like a day and a half I kind of really didn't do anything um productive while I just kind of recovered from being so tired um it wasn't restful but it was what it was so trying to get back on track uh, today's episode is going to be the second in the mixed auntie confidential series with Teresa Stovall and as I've said before These are going to be special episodes once a month that I do with Teresa Stovall or that Teresa does herself or that we do with all of the mixed aunties that are in our group chat or different mixed aunties at different times or different aunties that we tap out in the world to come into the mixed auntie confidential. So uh, this is the second of that series. And on today's episode, Teresa and I speak about, quote, the right way to be mixed or the right or the wrong way to be mixed. And what that has to do with, we will we'll talk about in the clip, but essentially we've been seeing more often in a lot of the mixed groups that we are on on Facebook and different social media places, there's this, this discussion being had um, over the last year about there being the right kind of way to be mixed. And when they're saying mixed, they're referring to black, white, biracial people Uh, where your mother is black and your father is white versus your father is black and your mother is white. And as we can probably all understand, those might be different culturally, but it doesn't necessarily mean that one is superior to the other or that there is a right or wrong way to be mixed. And it's interesting to be having this conversation because neither 
Teresa or I identify as that type of mix. I consider myself triracial, hierarchically black first, Japanese next, and then white Britishness is my weight that I had access to growing up. Teresa identifies as black Jewish, and she recently discovered what type of indigenous she is, but it's always been a part of her upbringing that they were mixed with black Jewish and an indigenous tribe. So we get into that conversation, one, because it's, it has triggered us a few times over the course of the last year, and we had some engagement on Militantly Mixed last year in which um, that conversation was popping up. And if, if you follow me, you know I don't abide by policing identity, and I certainly don't ab- abide by telling mixed people that they're the wrong kind of mix. So <laughs> we decided to uh, talk about that on the show and, and our feelings related to uh, what we think people mean when they're addressing this quote-unquote right and wrong way to be mixed. So that's what we're going to get in today. Before I do that, though, I finally got a, a voicemail from Pod Inbox. I have been talking about this the last few weeks, but I set up a new account with podinbox.com slash mix in which you can go to the website and record a vo- voicemail directly for the show. It comes directly to me. And I get a chance to hear it. And if it makes sense to put it on the show, I can put it on the show. If it's something that you're just sending to me directly, then that can just be a way that we engage. But I've been talking about how much I really want there to be some kind of call-in element to this show. And so I'm very happy to report I finally got a voicemail. So shout out to Ivy for dropping that first pod inbox voicemail. Uh, I squealed when I saw the email pop up on my phone. I looked down and I was like, yeah! So for me, it's like legit. I'm not joking around. I really want a call-in element on this show. And I got so excited, like more excited than I expected I was going to get when I saw that that email came through. So I'm going to let you hear Ivy's clip real fast, and then I'll come back and answer their question. Hi, Shermaine. This is Ivy. Um, I had a question for you. Uh, we, We talk a lot about representation, just, you know, in general. And I was wondering if you had any pieces of media that were really impactful for you as like a mixed person um because i was i was trying to remember what was something that was really impactful for me um i went to see the star trek movies that came out a few years ago and like seeing spock you know him being half alien half human that was like um super interesting for me and i was like but i guess um, you know, now looking back at it, it's like, uh, you know, people of color metaphors as like being metaphorically as like race as a metaphor for aliens or whatever, which I mean, that's not great for sure. But um, yeah, and another thing that I read recently that was really cool was um, it's this book called Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki. And um, that was really good. Actually, I really liked that one. She was, uh, the main character is trans and she's triracial. And I thought that that was really well done. So I don't know, have you, have you found anything that has like a black or Japanese character and British character? Um, or it doesn't even have to be that, but yeah, anything that was really impactful for you. Okay, so the first thing that popped into my head that I had no control over, it just popped in my head after hearing Ivy's question, 
was, it doesn't necessarily reflect my mix, but it was a mixed moment for me. And I guess that's why it was the first thing that popped into my head. So there's this movie about seven or eight years ago with Will Smith and Margot Robbie called Focus. And there's some kind of con people or whatever that were doing some sort of con. I think they used to be in a crew, but they broke up and then they run into each other during another con. There's a third actor in that movie whose name I can't remember, but it's the older white guy that played Mike on Breaking Bad. He's a really good character actor. I really like him. He's got a gruff voice. And throughout the movie, he's kind of busting Will's balls. Like, they clearly know each other, but they're on opposite sides of the con, and it's a whole problem. Near the end of the movie, and I'm not going to say spoiler alert and mean it because it's like seven or eight years old, so if you haven't seen it, you're probably not going to see it. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the movie... It gets revealed that the white guy, the older white guy, is Will Smith's character's dad. And when I was in the movie theater watching that movie, I was I was with a, a co-worker, my friend Tamika, and two of her friends who had never met me before, but we had just had dinner together. So three black ladies and myself, we had had a nice dinner. Obviously, they knew I was mixed and all that kind of stuff. But probably what they didn't expect and what I didn't expect is that when it gets revealed that that actor is Will Smith's character's dad, I yelled out in the theater, white daddy. And I threw my arms in the air, which is the dumbest thing ever. I don't know why I reacted that way. I think what I was excited about in the moment was that there was a assumed mixed character who was just in the film. It wasn't central to their mixedness. They were just living their life being a con man. And they happened to have a white dad. In hindsight, I don't remember if they eventually reveal that it's not his biological father or just the guy who raised him. I, I don't quite remember because it's been so long. But in that moment, it was, you know, he was raised by a white man. So it was like, oh, he's mixed. And I got excited about that. Again, that's not my mix. I'm, I'm not a black, white, biracial person. But in, in the moment, it was a mixed moment that made me feel <laughs> excited that we were on screen in some way, shape or form. So... That was the first thing I thought of. Other than that, I really kind of struggled to answer this question. I did answer it in last week's episode that I didn't end up airing. I'm going to air that episode minus my answer because obviously I'll have a different intro by that week. But in the week since I recorded my response, um, the things I was talking about was, you know, like commercials or whatever, different random characters that you would see. And you almost always saw a black dad with a white mom. And even though I don't have a white mom, it was like, well, that's kind of close to me. Um, I never got to see black Asian representation in a way that made sense to me. Although The Last Dragon is the closest thing I had growing up, even though it's, a, it's black characters that are immersed in Asian culture, that, feel, that felt like representation <laughs> to a degree. Um, I would walk around calling myself Sharnuf, the Shogun of Harlem, even though, you know, my name's Charmaine, Sharnuf, you know, whatever. But that wasn't like, like, it wasn't real representation. It was just a way that I grasped at representation. And then, of course, I've talked about in the past that the X-Men, I kind of found a hybrid between Storm and Jubilee and found myself between those two characters. But not anything that was specifically a mix of me. And then last week, after recording my, my initial response to this, I um, saw a TikTok where they recommended books with queer characters that were interracial relationships that, that were one of the partners was not white. And uh, they had listed a number of them. And the book that I ended up buying after seeing that uh, was because the, the recommender had said, this book is about a, a gay couple where the one man is black, one man is Japanese. 
and um, you know they got a strain in their relationship or whatever. The Japanese man goes to Japan to be with his dying father towards the end of his life, even though he has a, a rough relationship with his father, while his Japanese mother has flown to the United States to be with him, and she ends up living for that period of time with the black boyfriend, even though she didn't know him beforehand. So I ended up getting that because of the black Japanese thing and because they were queer. And I'm like, okay, fine. This is probably going to be as close to me. Uh, what I didn't know at the time is that the book also takes place in Houston. It's, it's by a local writer named Brian Washington. The book is called Memorial. And a lot of the streets that they're driving down in the book are places that are around the corner from where I live. They reference the Montrose, which is the queer district here in Houston, which is just a stone's throw away from where I live. Um, so there's been a couple things happening in this. I relate to the strained relationship with a dying father. The difference is I did not go to see my dying father. Um, uh, but more than anything, what I relate to is the strained relationship between the black boyfriend and the Japanese mother, because they are strangers to each other and they're living in the same apartment. And their only thing in common is Mike, the Japanese boyfriend who has gone to Japan to be with his father while his mother, who just got from Japan to Houston, is living in his place. The The dynamic between the mother and the boyfriend are, is just there is some, something there that I feel like I can relate to in that while I am mixed and I identify as hierarchically black and then Japanese, I always feel like I'm accessing Japanese-ness through blackness. I never feel like I'm going straight into Japanese-ness. So there is something about that dynamic between those two characters that I'm relating to. I'm not finished with this book yet. I'm only about halfway through. But once I do finish, um, I'll report back because it was... First of all, I don't think I've ever read um, a book that is strictly about a queer couple. And if I had, like, um, book form, novel form. Uh, and when I have, they have certainly not been black, Japanese, interracial. So there's a bunch of things going on in this book that is really reflective in, a, in an odd way, even though it's not my story. So Ivy, thank you for that question. For everybody else, I was so excited, like I said, when I saw that I got a voicemail with this question, and I'd like to turn it to y'all too, Ivy's question. Uh, is there any kind of media that you've been able to consume over your lifetime? Books, TV, TikToks, podcasts, movies, TV shows, whatever, um, where you're mixed or you felt represented in mixedness through? Um I, I was going to talk a little bit about how the show Mixed Dish didn't make me feel represented, um, but I'm going to get into that, or I, I, I've gotten into it on a previous episode, so it, it really wasn't um, one of the things that I was planning on talking about, but I, I, I had recorded something previous where I kind of addressed it, like, I didn't feel mixed there, but I tried, you know, I tried to get into it. Um, but I didn't feel like there was actual mixed people writing that show because nothing about that show felt authentic for me. That being said, I know plenty of mixed people who really did feel represented by that show. So that just goes to show you mixedness is not a monolith, which we're going to get into on this episode. And um, what is mixed representation for you may not be mixed representation for me or vice versa. So I want to hear what makes you feel represented in your mixedness whatever that is in the media that you consume, leave me a voicemail on podinbox.com slash militantly mixed. And hopefully I'll get enough of these together that I can put together in a future episode of militantly mixed or on the social media.
and I'm I can't stress enough how excited I was to see that first message. So thank you so much, Ivy, for giving that to me. And thank you in advance to everybody else because a million of you are gonna call in this week and I'm gonna have so many messages that I, I can't do enough with them. That's I'm setting that goal. <laughs> Uh, before we get into today's episode, I do just want to shout out our latest Patreon sponsors, Shannon and Teresa. Teresa from who you're about to hear. That actually got us back up and over the $300 mark. I am pushing to try to get up to the $500 mark by the end of March. So if you're listening to this, if the show gives you anything, if you feel like it reflects you or it helps you in any kind of way, if you can find a way to support the show through Patreon. This helps keep me going and growing. It'll help pay for all these expenses to keep the show going, especially right now while I'm not really bringing in any income. And um, it just really, really helps. And you can support the show as low as a dollar a month, uh, which accounts to $12 a year uh, through Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash militantly mixed. You can sponsor as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish. And there are different reward levels depending on what you choose. If you'd like to see the video versions of the episodes, starting with episode 142, you can subscribe at the $5 a month level and get access to the videos that way. Um, I just also uploaded two videos from early from January because I was so behind schedule. Um, those are now available for the Patreon sponsors that are above the $5 level in case you wanted to catch up on January's episodes. Other ways that you can support the show is to go to paypal.me slash militantlymixed and drop some coins in the tip jar is how I call that. I did sign up for the Cash App a couple weeks ago, I mentioned on a previous episode, but I recently got locked out of it. And I think that is because they've discovered that I had more than one. <laughs> so um, I knew there was an issue with that with Venmo. I didn't know if that was the case for Cash App, but I can't seem to get back into it. So I'm going to say for now, don't do Cash App. Hopefully I can get it back. I don't know if I can, but um, uh, yeah. So in the meantime, patreon.com as low as a dollar a month to as high as anything you wish or any number that you want to drop in the PayPal, paypal.me slash mix, And those are the two best ways to sponsor the show financially. The other best way, and this is just a, a plea. So sorry, bear with me. I know this is a long intro. I'm, I'm being invited places lately. I'm being asked to send over my demographics to a couple different places. And I'm having an issue right now in which my subscribers don't match up with my downloads. I have a lot more downloads than I have subscribers. And um, that looks like I, I don't have a loyal following. It looks like to others, to people who are asking for my demographics, which I normally don't pay attention to, but now I understand why I'm supposed to promote this. It looks like you just have a bunch of people sampling your show and that they're not coming back. And when you hit that plus button, that subscribe, that follow, or that bell, what it tells people on the outside, those who are trying to sponsor your show financially, those who are trying to invite you to major media outlets, what it tells them is that you have a loyal following. So I know there's way more of you that listen to the show than actually subscribe, because when I look at the locations that y'all are downloading from, I can get them down on Militantly Mixed, I can get it down to sections of cities. And there is sections of cities that have multiple downloads every time. Uh, so I feel like you are essentially subscribers, but that you may not have just hit that plus button. And that happens in almost every city. So it's just a plea. And I'll hopefully see some kind of change in terms of whether or not I'm accepted on various media outlets and platforms and things like that. If you can hit that subscribe button, that plus button, that bell, 
the follow, whatever the podcatcher you're listening to has for repeat downloads. It basically will allow you to get access to the show the second it drops. You'll, you'll get that alert on your phone or however you're listening, and it will count towards my subscriptions. And if I get um, those subscriptions to match up a little bit better with my downloads, that'll make me more marketable for shows like Good Morning America or, you know, let's just cross our fingers for Oprah or any of those shows that sometimes are looking for people like the Mixed Race podcaster who talks a lot about race and identity on her show. If my numbers match up a little bit better, I'm more I'm more marketable for those types of things. So I've I've had some opportunities and I've had some opportunities stagnate and part of it I think has to do with my existing demographics. So it's just a personal plea. It's also a way you can support the show free, um, in a free way. And we'll just see what happens from there. So sorry about that long intro. I hadn't planned on doing that, but there's a few things I guess we had to get into. So this is also going to be a little bit of a long episode. We go about an hour and 10 minutes in this discussion, um, but it's a really good conversation. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming back fellow mixed auntie, Teresa Stovall from the Mixed Auntie Confidential. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine Fury, and today we are back with a second episode of the Mixed Auntie Confidential with Auntie Teresa. Uh, I, what, what are we talking about today? <laughs> See, I told you I was going to talk. <laughs> First, hey everyone. Hey fam, how y'all doing? Hope everyone's good. Um, Charmaine. You are listening. So here's what's been, here's what's been, um, you can tell I let my kids watch um, Family Guy, grinding my gears. Um, Here's what's been grinding my gears lately or activating my panty, as I like to say. So I spend, you know, like a lot of us, a, a, a lot of time in online social media mixed spaces, often to learn, to see what the conversations are, to gain from different people with different life experiences, people with different mixes, people with different, you know, perspectives and politics and everything like that. One of the things I'm seeing that I don't like and I'm concerned about, and I want to talk about it first in primarily mixed conversation spaces and then beyond that, is is a kind of jockeying for superiority. A kind of sense of people judging and criticizing and sometimes attacking each other as if somehow there is a right way to be mixed and a wrong way to be mixed or a better way to be mixed and a worse way to be mixed. Being mixed, not your DNA that you were born with and had nothing to do with, but how you identify the way or ways in which you identify your, what I call racial politics, policies and politics, how you move through the world, sometimes who you partner with or marry or, or give birth to. I mean, you know, a lot of it, but there, but there's, 
like one real popular one right now. And I don't think, I don't know if it started in the black, white, biracial community, or if it came externally from monoracial black folks, but it's a, a real interesting gaining steam kind of, I think, stereotype that if you're mixed black, white, we're talking first gen biracial black, white here, you're healthier and better if your mother was black than if she was white. Right. I've been seeing that pop up a lot more lately. Oh, and we and we have definitely talked about this at least in like the last like nine months or so when we started getting responses from our Dr. Uh, Yaba Blay episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Let's get into that. Let's get into that specifically. Um, so my first reaction, because you all know I'm part journalist as well, um, is where's the where's the quantifiable data? Who's done <laughs> who's done 50 years, 10 years, five years of research that we can look at? and draw any kind of conclusion Mm. of any kind. I'm not aware of any such data. If it exists, I would love to know, right? I mean, it's great to be able to center whatever your own story is in terms of what is the best, right? Like, I I get that that's somebody's inclination, but um, the, the, the different ways in which we are mixed and the different ways in which we might be harmed by who we're raised by um you can't even begin like it it can't just be that you had the the correct black parent and the correct white parent you know like it can't be just that there's other stuff going on was that parent also an alcoholic was that parent abused like there's so many things that can make um the version of mix that you are and and just in terms of disclosure for the audience like i'm coming at this from a a person who identifies uh uh, culturally as black and Japanese, but ethnically as black Japanese and then white British. Um, and then you're, you identify as, well, you also identify triracially too, but like you, you're black first, just I'm black. You know, we're, yeah. we're black. Um, Wait, excuse me. Makes the hell of black. It might be offensive. It might be problematic to people, but it accurately describes me and how I move through the world. Yes. I, I wish I could get that, that um, logo back. Cause my computer, I had damaged my computer that I made that one on and I was never able to reclaim that like logo thing again. So I've had to reissue the mix and hell of black t-shirt with a different logo now. Uh, but I love that shirt. It's one of my favorite. Um, and one, because that's what I used to always describe myself to. Like, I know that I'm ambiguous and you, and I've talked about this forever. I know that we present ambiguously, but we identify with our blackness first because that's how we were raised. And that was the communities that we grew up in. And to be fair, it is the place I feel safest. Oh, absolutely. Still to this day, I feel safer in blackness than I do in in any other of my um, ethnic or cultural heritages. So it's hard I'll say going back to the first year of Militantly Mixed, uh, a lot of the people that were guests on the show were black, white, biracial. Almost all had black fathers and white mothers. Um, And so it was hard to get away from the idea of like the monolith of black, white, biracial mixedness was black fathers and white mothers, right? Um, And the common thread of all those episodes and some of the people that I've, that I've just spoken to in, in, meat space too is um but my mom was black for for a white lady or like you know you know what i'm saying like that thing of just like she immersed herself in blackness so and my favorite you know my white mom was blacker than my dad which is something that i even used to say when i was younger too (laughs) Uh, it's just something you got to grow out of kids one day 
one day you'll grow out of it. Um, but it was that idea that like there was this only this one way to kind of be mixed. And and through the four years of doing the show or almost four years of doing the show, obviously, we've seen different ways of being mixed. I mean, even myself as the host was not a reflection of that concept of what was mixed was a black, white, biracial person with a black dad. Um, I have seen many a mixed comedian refer to themselves as mixed correctly. Black dad, white mom, like I've seen that. And, you know, I'll get the chuckle out of it too. Or you, maybe I used to, it gets harder once you, the, the more woke you get, the harder it is to find things funny. I'll tell you that <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. And I think the harder it is to accept, I mean, superficial, for me, the words are superficial and stereotypes. And yes, all stereotypes are rooted in reality. But mm. to go back to what you're saying, I think a couple things. Number one, and again, historically, um, most of many first gen black, white, biracial people, right? Like when I was growing up, I'm a boomer. My, mother, my dad was black, mom, Jewish. Jews were not considered white. And I'm not getting into whoopie gate from last week, but <laughs> that's, that's apparently now a national issue. So I just, yeah, I've been sitting I'm just back chilling and laughing like, listen, but anyway, <laughs> I, you know, read my book. Anyway, so, um, but, but, um, that, that is still the prime when you, when, when people, when the general public in the United States, I want to stay specific because that's what I know, thinks of mixed or biracial, they think of black, white, and they think of a black man and a white mama. That yeah. is still the prevailing, mm-hmm. right? That is still the prevailing image. So the, but there's a, a superficiality that, that I think you're addressing. It, t- it doesn't take into account the myriad factors that impact our identities and it also there's no nuance there's no complexity mm-hmm. and often no accuracy yeah okay often no accuracy it's just this blanket statement yeah. which is nowadays turning into or has undertones of a condemnation yeah oh i am better than the, if you have a black mama and a white daddy you better than if you have a white daddy. it's that's straight up the message and i'm like yeah hey, where first of first of all that's inaccurate second of all what rubric are you using for better or health right or this is this is this more desirable secondly news flash well i have certain spiritual beliefs on a practical level we're not choosing our parents right so we're not up there on the assembly line i'll take that one and that one <laughs> yeah because i definitely would have went a different way <laughs> And like you, without going into detail, um, lots of the abuse, dysfunction, alcoholism in my family as well. So we have that. But again, you know, to, to, to stay on this, like this very problematic and we're doing it to each other. Yeah. We're doing it to each other as if blackness is now in this context a badge of honor, but it's a, a badge of honor we're weaponizing against each other. Yeah. And you know, I say this all the time too. Like we don't have to do the work of white supremacy. Like, Thank you. It's already there. It's already pervasive. We, and I know that there's a lot of ways that we unconsciously do it because of the system that we're raised in. Of course, that that's yes. something that's a little bit more um, work withable, I guess. <laughs> um, but in the cases of where we are outright just deciding who gets to be the right kind of mix and what that actually means yeah. it's obviously going to be different around this country the united states that we exist in let alone around the world um 
you know, I mean, black people, we've done that to ourselves too, where it's like, oh, you're not black if you don't eat this, or you're not black if you do, like, we've done this. We, we've done the, if you're not hood black, you're not black enough thing. I've yeah. I've been guilty of doing that too. But the thing is, like, every day is, is a chance to learn and realize, like, oh, I was doing this problematic thing. Now that I know that I'm aware of it as problematic, now here's the time to start doing the work to correct that thing. Absolutely. So, like, in the case of... Uh, a, it, when the when the concept or the idea about like having a black mother, if you're black, white, biracial with a black mother and a white father was more healthy way of being black or, or, or a better way or whatever the, the fill in the blank words were being used for, it got me defensive to the point where it'd be like, yeah, my dad's black, but I was raised by black women, you know, where I had to jump in and be like, I had aunties, I had I had the church, I had the neighborhood people, you know, like, so that thing instantly and I'm grown, like full grown 40 year old woman when this, stuff, when this started happening. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here trying to defend whether or not I actually got to stay black enough just right. on the merit of like having um, black women in my life at all growing right. up. Right. And, he, and these are factors that very few children, I'm sorry, can control or impact or have any choice about. So they're taking factors right. that you can't control. You can't choose, you know, and and going to going to form an opinion mm-hmm. the, and police your identity mm-hmm. and but more than just police your identity policing your identity in a context of I am superior or this people are superior yeah. to these people and I'm and like you just said and thank you for for you know saying it so so well why are we doing the work of massa yeah why are we Fighting each other. As long as we're fighting each other, we're not fighting racism, anti-blackness, or white supremacy. Yeah, and so it's such a great system too to allow the others to fight themselves, so that we don't have to do the work. Like that was an amazing system that they created. It, it is. It is amazing. Like hitting and us it, against and, each other. Cru- and we've been on cruise control for a long time. Yes, we have I mean, been on cruise control for a long time. So let's look at how we can disrupt that. Yeah. Right. And also, one thing that I want to throw into the conversation that we can get into later as we kind of keep unpacking is the idea of like if black white biracial is the only thing that we see as mixed like say in our media and all that kind of stuff thinking back to like the cheerios commercial with the black dad and the white mom and the mixed child where the white mom had most of the camera time and then the black dad pops up at the very end like if this is what our understanding of mixed people especially here in the united states is um what about those of us like you and I that don't have that exact mix are we invisible in mixedness um what about the the Asian? what about the Blasian? what about the you know Afro-Latin person you know what about the you know whatever like yes. not everybody's story is going to be the same you know what if your black is African and not african-american or caribbean, what if you're caribbean and not you know oh, but you're here in america and and you're you know you're mixed anyway like what if the way you're mixed and how you present in the united states reads differently than when you go back home to one of your family's home countries and then you're read a different race in those places like this is the danger of policing people's identity is that first of all my identity shifts sometimes like it just does there's sometimes i'm blacker than others there's sometimes i'm more japanese there's sometimes queerness is a little bit higher on the register than what i'm dealing with in my in terms of my race and ethnicity now if i'm traveling on top of that and the way i'm being perceived 
now I have to act within the defenses of someone is seeing me as X, Y, Z, but I see myself as Z, Y, X, you know, like that kind of thing. And so we just don't have room. We do not have release. And there's the chances of, it's so weird that these monolithic ideas even, and even come up. And this came up earlier in a group that I'm in on Facebook. That's a primarily Japanese American. Um, And it's a mix of people that are, you know, Japanese from Japan who moved here, Japanese, American born Japanese, mixed Japanese Americans, mm-hmm. et cetera. Like it's a, it's a mix of all of us in that group. And someone posted about feeling un-Asian because they, they're mixed, but they didn't grow up with access to their Okinawan heritage and just feeling like I don't even belong in this group. That is clearly a mix of people from all different aspects of Japanese identity mm-hmm. and the amount of the, the, the message that they wrote about which was constantly written in a, in a tone that was devaluing their, their own perspective. It was mm-hmm. always about somebody else's like, mm-hmm. because my mother didn't give me access to this, I was not a, you know, Japanese enough. I wasn't Asian enough or whatever, or, but it was always, it was, it was always kind of shifted towards like the view of someone on the outside, mm-hmm. which I think is something all mixed people deal with. Right. Like we have a hard time just identifying as ourselves at first, we have to kind of go through how other people identify us and then sort Absolutely. of act accordingly. And Absolutely. I think that's what this person was dealing with. And, you know, it only like, it could have had 87 positive comments. If it just has one comment of like, well, yeah, obviously you're not Japanese. And if you weren't raised Japanese, that would have derailed, you know, like I'm saying, like, cause I know I've had that conversation. Before. Right, I, didn't, right. I didn't read through enough of the comments to know if that happened, but I was thinking about that the whole time because I was so excited that there were mostly positive com- uh, comments there, yes. or at least encouraging of like, your identity is yours. Those kinds yes. of comments. Yes. Um, that it made me feel like, okay, I know, I know that one person stepping in and saying you're not Asian enough could have been the loudest voice for that person, even if 85 other people said you're Asian enough, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think we get into that in terms of the the being the right mix concept too, is mm-hmm. like so there, there's none of us among, or maybe there's a magical person who is the exact half <laughs> excess of all of their ethnic culture and culture and food. And like your, your, all your palate is designed for both and your vowel sounds are for both. You know, like <laughs> there's probably a magical creature out there that has that perfect setup, but that is the exception, not the rule. And so for us to create a rule of what it means to be the right kind of mix and how to be mixed right. By the way, she just described a unicorn. If you are or know that unicorn, holla, we want to get you on the show. <laughs> get, please, unicorn, come, come to the show. I'll say, come, this is unicorn. Yes. But um, exactly, sis. We'll exactly. have the scientists in the in the lab in the yes. back going exactly, precisely 50%. We will get, yes. <laughs> Bring your DNA. I mean, you know, hit us up. Mm-hmm. But on the real, but on the real, that's exactly right. So you've got... Now, you know, again, for the first time, I believe in U.S. history, certainly that's the first time in my boomer life. Um, mixedness is permanent. It, we're in a an ongoing, sustained public conversation. People talking about mm-hmm. us, sometimes mm-hmm. to us, less often with us, but that's improving. 
And that's part of why you and I do the work we do on our various platforms. Because exactly. we, my thing H- is hire us to do. To well, do I'm old school. Hood. If you're gonna talk about me, you're gonna talk about me in my face, right? <laughs> and you, I will be part of. I will insert myself in the conversation. You don't have to like it. I don't have to like you, but just so you know, don't bring me to your table. You come and pay for a seat at my table. Exactly. <laughs> if you mention it, and I happen to know. And believe me, I might be doing something else and not even the least bit interested, but I'm just my ancestors. I work for my ancestors and they they don't, they're like, girl, you better go on over there and run your mouth. Yep. But, um, you know, and so I understand I have to do it. I don't always choose to do it. I have to do it. But anyway, so back to this. So thank you. So if what I'd love to do is implore right now, staying within the mixed community as broadly and diversely defined as possible which by the way, I've gotten attacked for by other mixed people. Somebody called me Donald Trump for saying that I believe all of our experiences and perspectives are valuable and should be honored. Yes. A mixed mixed person in a mixed forum basically (laughs) called me Donald Trump. I was like, because that's that's definitely the line that he toes. (laughs) All those, yeah, but people on both sides are good people. I'm like, okay, I write. Okay, well, you know. That's not the same thing. Again, we're, I think maybe, so let me, so theoretically, do you think we're so poised to attack and to vie for a sense of superiority subconsciously? Again, we all have internalized white supremacy. Yes. Okay. We all have, that's a given. Doesn't matter if you're, if you're mixed, doesn't include white. If you in the mm-hmm. U.S., you've been raised in the U.S. and many other parts of the world, you just, that's a given. And we all, like you said, we're all constantly learning about the work and do, and it's hard work to unpack it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're attached to it. Come on mm-hmm. now, but that'll be another show. But unpacking your white supremacy. But do you think that that's part of why, when we get in our spaces, we ba- basically act like monoracial people fighting each other for position for again a. A, you know, a self-proclaimed sense of superior. I'm better yeah. than you, or they're better than you, or she's better than him, because I think that's a very Western concept. Like, I think, mm. um, and, and I say this because I do have access, you know, even though, like, I make the joke about how I was weekend Japanese, um, because I do have the access to an Eastern culture that I was raised in, um, there's a lot of things that, like, just don't seem to carry over that I can definitely distinguish in my own life as a as a Western thing versus an Eastern thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, especially, so, again, the reason why we keep saying United States and America is because we are, that's where we're physically accessing from, but it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't follow in other Western cultures. Um, We are, I mean, as a nation, we embody the individualistic, individualistic, gosh, I can't, why can't I speak words right now? Individualistic. Thank you, Charmaine. Um, Individualistic mentality. um, Literally like from the date they started putting words on paper Mm -hmm. to form the declaration of independence. Right. Yeah. So in this country, but I think it follows in a lot of Western countries too. The idea of the individual is far more important than the idea of the group, which we can see play out in the way we handle COVID versus um, almost all of Asia (laughs) and everywhere else, almost. Um, In that, like the simple action of wearing a cloth mask across the entire community could have been sufficient enough 
to reduce the spread and blah, 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 blah. Absolutely. In terms of like the way we identify racially, ethnically, culturally, I think it is, if we're raised here, it's a natural thing to be like, well, obviously I must be the best thing because I'm the main character in the story. But, you know, you Mm -hmm. always view yourself or whether or not some people realize they do it, you view yourself as the main character in your story, in the movie, in the TV show about Mm -hmm. your life. You're the main character. So the world does literally revolve around you. And that that doesn't disappear like that mentality is very grounded in Western society. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, and I'll speak specifically from being like mixed Japanese in terms of Eastern cultures, a lot more of the Eastern cultures are about community and African cultures and Caribbean cultures. And I want to say brown, indigenous. <laughs> indigenous brown cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, we are more village based, tribal based, yes. community based people. And yes. so the good of, you know, like a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Like those mm-hmm. are the things that other cultures that are non-Western American, white, European, et cetera, um, kind of start from. And and so that desire, I think, here in the States. So now getting back to the question. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that, desire, that's um, that desire for us to like centralize the kind mm-hmm. of mix we are individually as the best mix and or I'm doing it the right way mm-hmm. um, I think is just so ingrained in Western society that I feel mm-hmm. like if we were to have the same conversation where we invited in um, even if they're a, a mixed black and white biracial person but they're from you know Africa or they're from the Caribbean or they're from mm-hmm. you know something like that they would have that slightly different perspective of being like well no because and then whatever is the cultural influence of their thing mm-hmm. so I think here we just can't help it as Americans Mm. or as um, Westerners, we can't help that desire to be number one, the best thing, the focus. And so I think that's how it happens. And I think that's also why it's so easy to uphold white supremacy, whether or not we intentionally do that is because we're, we're bred for individualism. And then as Black mixed Americans or Black people, I would say Black Americans in general, I think we fight against some of it to a degree because there's still stuff that we held on to from Africa, whether some of us realize that's what was being passed down or not, right? There's Mm -hmm. the way in which we speak, how we say things like real, real here -hmm. in America is actually something that many African languages do an emphasis by doubling up the word like there, you know, or different foods or different things. So like there's stuff that we brought from where we come from that, that get in there. So why is it not also the same thing that the stuff that white supremacy has taught us and instilled in us also dominates sometimes um, our natural inclinations. And I think that's one of them is the individualism based off of us being in a Western society and the power grab and the power that grab. makes perfect thank you for that charming that is so so important because that makes perfect sense right um that actually makes perfect sense it's a beautiful job of context and and nuance and complexity and you're right i think you're right i think we're we're just all raised with that classic and classic white supremacist cowboys versus Indians, exactly. Air quotes, big air quotes, but cowboys versus Indians mentality, and we still have a colonizer. I mean, and we got it snaking through our DNA. Come on now, you know it's so crazy because like we could literally just like it's never the story that we exist side by side 
somebody different from us. It is always the story that there is an adversary. Even in a romantic comedy in movies, there is a villain character that's trying to get your man or, you know, or trying to get your one, or you know what I'm saying? Like everything in our society. Adversarial. 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 But in other places, that is not always the case. It could Mm. be the case that you could live side by side with mixed people of all different kinds or monoracial people of all different kinds and just be Mm. if we didn't have this dominant society that has now permeated into Eastern and other cultures too, right? Like now Mm. it's starting because of colonization, imperialism, it's seeped in in other places. That's how you have you know, rampant anti-blackness in Asia or, you know, all that other kind of stuff too, or even in South America Um, or people that are prioritizing Spanish as the natural indigenous language when like, knock, 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 hello, (laughs) that would not have been your language. (laughs) So, you know, really, I think, I think, um, I think it has spread, but I think the the origin of it or the foundation of it is definitely the individualism. Wow. See, my body, my ancestors are rejecting the word and they won't even let me pronounce it right. <laughs> I love that. Great. I love that. Great interpretation. Yes. So, yes. So white supremacy and Westernism um, kind of position us to be adversarial and position us to even subconsciously maybe try to create hierarchies with ourselves at the top Mm -hmm. or people like us at the top, or there has to be, it's like a seesaw for one to be up. The other one has to be down. Right. Yeah. Um, And that is the essence. So thank you for that. That was really great context for all that. So, and you're right. And then there's the issue. um, And I know we talk about this frequently because it includes us um, of Mixes that are not that's the one that gets the most attention, ink, airtime, representation, and talk, which is first gen, black, white, biracial. So the other thing, just for context, y'all, because that's what I bring as the as the boomer auntie, is so I, you know, I grew up in the 50s and 60s and black power, black pride up in the north, northeast, Seattle, Washington. And there were lots of mixed people, lots of mixed families, lots of mixed couples. So being mixed wasn't actually a thing. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't weird. You didn't stand out. You weren't other. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. Anyway, um, literally, literally, until I was in my twenties and introduced to some friends, if when people asked what I was, I said mixed. And that's all I had to say most of the time for most of growing up because mixed was right. so specific. It meant black and white. I, I would say, I would often say black with a Jewish mother mm-hmm. to be specific to honor my ancestors and my mom. Um, but I would always leave with the black, black with a Jewish mother. Um, and it meant a black dad and a non-black mom. And it wasn't until I was an adult, and this is in Seattle where mixing was very popular, West Coast, Seattle, all that, that I met a black woman who was with a man who wasn't black. And she was, you know, a peer and she was with, had a, has, I hope still, I'm, you know, a Japanese husband and they have Mm. a son. I've heard you mention this person before too. And like, it kind of blew you away. I was, because the black women with whom I identified with whom I grew up, again, we're talking about the 50s, 60s, early to mid seventies, black power, Ungawa, all that. Um, And so when, and we would often talk about it 
it was an ongoing topic because in Seattle and some other cities, but Seattle, particularly back then, back then to the point where it got national news coverage every few years, was known for black women who would do anything not to be with a, a black man. I'm sorry, black men. Seattle was known even nationally for a place where black men would be with anybody but a black woman. Mm. Not that there weren't black, black couples, but mm. they were rare. Like we would see them and leaning out the car window cheering. Like you go brother. You know, that yeah. I mean, I mean, this is just real. So I never saw a black woman who chose because we talk about it and they'd be like, nope, I can't. I just can't. Even if he's fine, we did have crush on celebrities, mm-hmm. all real people, but I can't, I just can't cross that, can't cross that line. Can't cross mm-hmm. that line. Now I'm not saying none do or did, obviously. But sure. Me, so in my experience, you were mixed and then a black daddy and a mama that was something else. Usually right. white, but then again, Seattle Asian. Mm-hmm. Okay, et cetera, et cetera. So Nowadays, it's very different. Nowadays, we have A, many more mixes, B, and you're an example of this, um, multi-generational mixes. So mm-hmm. you have people who have way more than two things. I have three things. And if, if four, if you want to count the massa, they come from my sure, daddy. Sure, right, right. Yeah. My daddy. But anyway, what you know, I'm, I don't I don't say it. I don't, um, you know, deny it, obviously. Like most African-Americans, you got European DNA involuntarily. But um, so, you know, that too, but most, many of a growing number of us, especially younger, have more than two ancestral strands, as I call them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And our mixes are way more complex, sophisticated, and representative of the actual world. Right. And And then the gender thing. And we're still on a gender binary. We haven't even jumped off of that. That might be. I, I would like to be around to see when that eases up because so much has changed in just the forty years that I've been alive. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm curious to see in in sixty years the old people being those that are that Young had man. challenged the gender binary. You know. Yeah, I mean, I mean that I'm excited about that as well. But but just still sticking that binary for a hot minute. You know, again. When we know this because we pay, you know, we're actively seeking out, connecting with mixed people, listening to them, gathering their stories, looking at their perspectives, that mixes are way more kind. And the world has to keep up. Yeah. Is our point. I mean, yes to the unicorn you described, but (laughs) but that unicorn is no longer as representative as it was when I was growing up Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and maybe when you were growing up. Yeah, I think um, there's still times in which I think um, a black, white, biracial mixed person is far more visible than than mm-hmm. others. Like, because even in a lot of cases, uh, like the white Asian mix is almost always casted as either white or Asian, but not white and Asian, depending mm-hmm. on their presentation. Um, whereas I think it's even probably more complicated in, in Latine casting because you're going to see people who just have decided that all Latine people are pale. <laughs> pale or indigenous brown not black brown you know like the amount of people who ask questions about how uh felix and and antonio existed in uh encanto and stuff like that it's like okay yeah because yeah okay um you know like that kind of stuff of of there literally being um you know Mm -hmm. transatlantic slave went slave trade went all the way up and down this uh, the ships and the ships mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. um and so I think, uh, I, I think, uh, yes, it is still like very, very visible um, to be a black, white, biracial person, or just that like your story's not prioritized 
when someone is obviously mixed or obviously racially ambiguous, um, the mixedness of your face is not as part of the story. Whereas like if you're black, white, biracial, they have to be like, see white daddy or see black daddy, you know, whatever, whatever the thing is um, in the background. Uh, So until we get away from that, I think it'll still be a little bit hard not to, to do this thing. Um, That being said, like, I'm not I'm not saying all black, white, biracial people are doing this, of course, but but there is this thing that just started happening that I started to see only in the last year. And that's when you and I started talking about it, too, was the the superiority of the kind of mixed black, white, biracial, you black, white, biracial you are versus and I'm not seeing that yet. And I, 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 I it's not like this doesn't exist. I just I haven't seen it yet in, in my forum or the other forums that we follow um, where it's happening to the other mixed cultures that don't involve black, white, biracial binary. Um, And it's weird. Like, I think the intention, I'll be honest, I think the original intention of that was meant to be healing for people with black mothers because their story wasn't as told in terms of the black. So I think that was the original intention. It's tough for me to always to try to put a positive spin. But in this case, I think the first times that I was seeing it was in that case of like, imagine the the black woman who stays in the black community. So there because we're fighting against that narrative that all black men who marry or date uh, women that are outside of blackness, that it is in the sort of anti-black womanness because I'm not saying that that's not a thing because it's hundred percent a thing. Look at TikTok. Um, but <laughs> that's hundred percent a thing period. Yeah. But if, if that is the case that just a black guy happened to fall in love with a person that's a non-black woman and had babies, you know, that, that was also a possibility thing too, but that was never the narrative we're fed. It's not the narrative we're fed in real life. It's not the narrative we're fed on media. Um, you all, it's always that the black man is with a person that is not a black woman out of spite or on uh, or in spite of because mm-hmm. black women is right black woman is so i think the intention early on was like for those of you that are mixed with a black mom and a, you know maybe maybe you had the white father that you know you're more grounded in blackness because you stayed in the community it wasn't on it wasn't just to spite black men that you have a white father or something like that, right? Or an Asian father. It was um, because that white man or that Asian man or what have you uh, saw the value Mm -hmm. in your black woman mother, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that is kind of Mm -hmm. what the early days of that conversation was. Mm -hmm. And I think in any case, when you're introducing like a new spin on how people talk about something, I, I think it instantly kind of like it starts to flip you know, to the darker side of, or the bad side of those stories of where it's just like, no, 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 you're obviously trash because your dad was trash because he chose a white woman mm-hmm. in spite of a black woman, you know, that kind of thing. Um, which again, not my choice. I didn't have my black dad choose a Japanese mom. He, he, they just did that. They were 14 and 16. What do you want? This is, this is the cards <laughs> I was dealt with. So I'm going to live my black Japanese ass life. Leave me alone. Um, you know what I'm saying? So I think yeah. um, for the yeah. young, and also I'm 44 years old, I've had time to go through it, where someone who's mixing 20 is is still mm-hmm. trying to go through it, right? They're still going through it. And so sometimes, and like I said, I had my problematic thoughts back then too. I'm, I assume I still have problematic thoughts that I'm just not yet aware of. And until it feels wrong in my mouth or until someone calls me out on it, 
or until it lines up with something else that I think of as problematic, it might not surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once it surfaces, I got to start doing that work. I think that was the thing uh, like with black and Japanese stereotypes of punctuality. I had a big old thing about that, about being black and Japanese and either being 15 minutes early or half an hour late. You know, like I used to say stuff like that. And, you know, it's so kind of funny. But at the same time, based in stereotypes that are made to to do negative work towards those communities and stuff. And so, like, as they become available, you can start to flip that. So that so that's why I say that I do think the intention for the younger generation of black, white, racials that were mixed that way with the with the black mother was like an attempt to lift up black women which is great and to affirm it, their experience and to affirm their experience okay. and to just let the world know like yo there are actually black white biracial people whose mothers are black Good and point. i do agree that it is a different way to be mixed black i think there's a different kind of nourishment that you get from a black mother that than you get from a black father it, and whatever your your opposite parent is, right? I think that is the case. In my case, the way I think the reason why I got defensive early on when that narrative started to pop up and me where I would jump in and say, oh, but I was raised by Black women because here, you know, I had this and I had this and I had this. Um, it's because I also wanted to be a part of that affirming of Black women, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So I think I, I want to believe, and it's really hard for me to be optimistic, but or, or positive, I want to believe that was the origin and that like anything, it just got twisted over time. And in that case, it now became, let's draw the line. Are you mixed correctly or not? And in so doing, you're just decide, you're just fighting something we have no say in. I can't go back and flip my parents' ethnicities. You exactly. know, I think that would be an amazing experience. And I do, when I talk to people who have Asian fathers and black mothers, I'm just like, I got all kinds of questions and I think I covet it a little bit. I, I'm not going to lie. I think there's parts of it that make me like really curious about what that experience would be like, but it doesn't take away from the way that I'm mixed and how I interact within my mixedness. So that's the thing is I think people need to learn that you don't have to have an, an adversary or, or your mm-hmm. opposite. You don't have to have your unbreakable and your Mr. Glass to your mixedness. Like you can mm-hmm. literally just exist. That person could exist and you could compare and contrast and you could be like, Oh, that's weird. I never had that. Or, Oh, that's cool. I wish I had that. You could do all of those things yes. without having to tear down um, someone else for their mixedness, which is again, something outside of their control. Like yeah. in the same way you didn't pick, they didn't pick. So policing identity is always something that I'm against on this show. And um, I hope that, people hear that more often so that they realize how often they do it. Mm, Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you for that context. That was brilliant and really, really vital, really, really vital. Um, You know, reminding, um, and I hadn't thought of it that way. So I was just bristling at this, you know. Yeah. Well, because instantly, right? It like, it makes your shoulders go up the second you hear it. You're just like, yeah. It was like beef, you know, rappers beefing, right? Yeah. Um, And and, and that's also part of Western culture. (laughs) And then that's considered cool and entertaining and Mm -hmm. are you the best person in a rap battle or whatever. But anyway, so it has those vibes. And we know social media is very much about that, at least in the Western world anyway. Um, But thank you for that context of, of, the, you know, how it potentially started. And I think that's helps me. So thank you. And I think it'll help a lot of us remember 
that people weren't necessarily coming in with bad intentions or anything. And to remember that we're, we all know the black father, white, usually mother, you know, biracial first gen person is still the one that most people are exposed to, including mixed people, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, especially in the U.S., and so you're right, the folks who's, well, you know, my mom's the one who's black and all that. And also there is the somewhat stereotypical, but not necessarily completely inaccurate in all cases, <laughs> argument that, well, women do the nurturing and raise the kids and pass on culture right. in general. Right. And again, that's, you can't argue that, but it also is not always a given. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of those things. That- right. My blackness was often affirmed by my Japanese mother. She did black hair. She only had black friends. She was immersed in blackness. And and while that is a di- diluted access to culture, if it's coming directly from her, because she had to learn it, you know, later yeah. in life, it's still the case that in my case, right. my blackness was affirmed by my non-black parent. And that's so was might mine, not be the now case. that you mention it. Yeah, exactly. So was yeah. My, my father, my black father was not, he never, he was very, I basically betrayed his dream by being black identified. Mm-hmm. Same with mine. Yeah. My dad yeah. was not for the blacks. No, yeah. mine neither. No, yeah. no, Big no. Time. Yeah. Whereas my mother was, hey, listen, you know. Yeah, but you're right. She affirmed it. She affirmed Yes, that's a really, I never thought Affirmed about that. it and gave you access too, right? Because like in my yes. case, my mother raised so, me in black community. Mine too. So, so yeah. Again, that's just another way to show it. Like it's not everybody's <laughs> story, right? Because like right. that isn't always the case. Yeah. I have plenty of friends that were black, white, biracial that were raised not in blackness. Um, you know, even my co-host on on Blurred Comics, he has a white mom, which is his you know, primary like parent that he, he, lo- he didn't, he didn't not grow up in blackness. We were military kids. We had, we had mixed families all over the place, mm-hmm. but his, his primary, you know, his, his nurturing parent was his white mother, not mm-hmm. his black father. So right. it doesn't matter. Like we had a different experience and yet here we are two mixed people hanging out and being friends. We still managed to do it. It's not like I'm over there going like, you're not mixed right. And he's like, you're not mixed right. You know, like we're exactly. not doing that to each other. We're just existing. Yes. And, and you're existing and you're also affirming and enriching each other mm-hmm. by embracing difference, by understanding. And so that's the whole thing. Mixedness, so maybe, you know, mixedness is not a monolith. Yeah. Um, I'm writing that down. And being... we're also not going to save the world from racism, obviously. We, oh. can't, we can't even f- find it in ourselves. <laughs> you're like, even in our community, we're, we're like, you know, I mean, obviously we're having a conversation about you're not mixed, right? So literally we're not the ones who's going to solve this problem for everybody. That might need to be, I'm writing that down. <laughs> that might be March. That might be a future episode, y'all. Future episode alert. I wrote that down <laughs> my, with my pen. You know, um, yeah, no, that, we can't say, no, no, listen, that's, that's, as they say, that's a whole sermon. Um, a whole mood and everything else. That's an encyclopedia with Tanika right there. We will be <laughs> circling back on that one. Um, because that's what it, but yes, yeah, so we're not a monolith. And I loved, you know, the go again, going into the nuance and the complexities of why and how we at least appear in many cases to be beefing with each other. But also another thing, what I find, even me, and I've always I've always felt I had a very strong sense of identity. Mm-hmm. Right. 
I've never like felt like, okay, I'm not sure. Um, but in these mixed spaces and 99% of the people in mixed spaces are way younger, except for one group I'm in. I think they're my age, but they're British. It's real interesting. They're always putting the U.S. down, by the way. <laughs> I'm just like, and it's, you know, I'm like, I ain't going to fight fair. with y'all. You're like, fair. <laughs> I'm outnumbered here. I'm just going to behave. But anyway, and I don't even know that I could argue. I don't know. I'm trying to, you know, but the point is that it's we, that, that we, we all have different experiences, perspective mixes, specifics of our mixes and everything. Mm-hmm. My idealistic, admittedly very idealistic vision, mission, fantasy, hope is that in mixed spaces, especially, we can do what you just described you and your Blurred Comics co-host do, which is to embrace, affirm, amplify each other without feeling that, without getting on the seesaw. Yeah. So that to go for one to go up, the other has to slam down. Yeah. But we can, that, that we can, there can be a sense of equity, mm-hmm. a sense of equity. Um, and just, yeah, well, you're cool, cool, cool. Let's learn from and be enriched by each other's differences. Mm-hmm. Let's affirm and do happy dances when we find the commonalities. Yeah. Right. And that's not to say that we can't like clown on each other for little things because like in, in his and my case, we've known each other since we're eight. So those yes. jokes aren't going to go away. You know, like he might do something that would make me say and see that's because you got a white mama. And he'd be like, yep. And we would start laughing about it because we know what we're saying when we're saying it. Right. We're well, that's not- family. And we're family, right? It's That's a different a type of thing. Clowning. Yes. I'm not going out on the street to a brand new bi- mixed, you know, person that I don't know, and I'll be like, "See, that's because you got a white mom." Or on social like media, that. or and on social the, media, and then you don't right. have the right. You don't have the you don't have the context of your like you said clowning. You don't have the context. You don't have the trash talking, established, loving relationship and history together. Yeah, where you can go. That's because your mama went what? Yeah. You know, and exactly. So, I mean, I guess it's it's always complicated, right? Like, like, I would not use that joke that I told earlier about my own self, about my tardiness or promptness right. in mixed company. No. Literally. Or I, I guess I said mixed company, meaning like non-in-house in company. I just realized right. Right, how right, that right. doesn't work here. Um, but in terms of like our internal company or something like that, people who would know me well and things like that would understand what I'm doing there. That would be that would be a different thing. Right. So it's a little different. So I'm not saying you can't enjoy jokes. I'm saying that those jokes have to come from a place of knowledge about the person, about their cultural heritage. Um, It's not something that you just do with someone you just turned around and met. um, Right. Because there's just so many things that you don't know how you're affecting other people or what their experiences legitimately are. Um, The one person on the planet I know I can clown is probably him because we like we've known each other since we were eight and yeah. vice versa you know like we can we and yet we're extremely supportive friends who um our major bond is over the fact that we are mixed like yes you know, that's a thing so it's still fine you can still crack them jokes just think about your jokes <laughs> my kids my kids, my kids yeah. have clown me wait a minute my kids have clown me i was doing something with one of them and um you know, they just, I mean, they know me. They knew, you know, my, mother, my mom lived with us in her last years and all that. And I was doing something and I switched into a mode for one of them. They were new and they were negotiating their first, it was my son, first, an early book contract project, right? 
And he said, mom, look over this contract. I'm like, well, you also need to get an attorney, but sure, I'll look at it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm published author, all that. And I fired off a bunch of questions and I said, can I talk to this person to just get information? He said, sure. Puts me on the phone with somebody. I'm like, da, 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 da. And he's looking at me real funny. I got the phone. He said, what? I said, well, he says, well, there's the Jew. (laughs) But again, it's internal. It's a different context. I said, yeah, I guess so. Right. Like in in context. In context, it means something different. Clearly there are things about me. I mean, the fact that I know as much about black hair as I know, when people go, wait, wasn't your mom the Japanese parent? I'm like, she literally only did black hair. So that's why I know more about black hair. And, you know, like really? I got somebody that I'm t- that I had to teach about a bonnet the other day. Uh-huh. Like the kid never knew because he didn't grow up with a parent that knew to do that. Right. Um, exactly. Hopefully we're going to see what happens over the next few weeks to see how things shift, shift for that person. But you know what I'm saying? Like there's... Yes. There are things internal, internal that internal jokes. Well, it's like anything else inside jokes between Mm -hmm. friends, partners, colleagues, your your homies. Yeah. Right. All that kind of stuff. You You know, I might have a homie who's like, girl, look at you. You ain't got a tan yet. And I'd be like, "Mm," you know. Yeah. 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 Exactly. There's definitely in in house and in in family. Yes. And family meaning that tight knit group of people. That's different. And you're not Um, coming for each other. You're not coming for each other. There's no agenda based in all the things we've just been talking about. Yeah. It's just, you know. That's the thing is because now what's different, I think, that you and I are experiencing that we never got to experience when we were younger is these social media groups that allow us to connect to mixed people all all over the world. And when we join those groups, we're joining with this, oh, my gosh, I finally get to connect with someone like me thing. And then that first time that someone hits you with something that's anti you or anti your your mix or something like that, you're like, oh. You mean that's going to happen to me everywhere I go? Like it right. does not matter. Good so point. I think that's the disappointing part is this is like yeah. we weren't we weren't expecting. Oh no, you're not mixed, right? Right. Like we or weren't expecting you, that. Or the way you move through the world, yeah, as an adult, is not the way it needs to be. Because growing up, like the worst of that thing was, um, you should. You should act like the race you look the most like, which in my case, but for you and I, and we look different from each other, but if you put our pictures up with no information about us, nobody is going to correctly guess what either one of us is. Correct. You're what are you Dominican? You said, yeah, I'm always Dominican. I'm I'm Dominican or Filipino (laughs) or Arab or God. It really varies. You've got Korean ones too, right? Didn't you tell me you got Korean ones? Korean, Chinese. I'm like, but if you stick either one of us in different groups of people, that also changes. Cause I've seen pictures of you, like from your, was it Spellman days and things like that? Or, and I see you next to a group of people and I'm like, for a second, I'm looking through the lighter skinned women going, which one, you know, you know, like maybe make sure I'm looking at the right person. Yeah. To, you know, so same with me, like depending on, uh, yep. I've had people who've seen my headshot, the headshot that I've used for the last four or five years where I call myself in drag. I've had people say they've seen that picture and they're like, oh, that's a mixed black woman. I can tell. Mm-hmm. And then now that my hair's shorter and I'm growing it back out, they're like, who's this? Is it? Asian, you know, like you know, I have people who can't distinguish me as black now because right. of of that, um, which is well, and it's so that too. That's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other thing I'm going through. Yeah, all is so all these subjectivities. But I love what you're saying. So maybe 
this is what I'm, I want to send out to listeners, to fam, is maybe all of us can work to do a better job of at least for a start making our mixed spaces safer affinity spaces yes. where nobody gets has to feel jabbed, attacked, judged, criticized, or policed. Yeah. Where we can discuss our differences and our diversities, of which are, you know, really endless practically, mm-hmm. our diversities. Um, and we can share, we can compare notes and we can share and we can even debate, but that we take the weaponizing out of it yeah. and and that we that we interrogate ourselves because I'll be honest, I'll give you an example of growth. So until I got in these groups, um, and it, I, no, I was judgy. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you are about to up, up with a healthy hostility towards an intolerance of anything, nice. and I still have it to a degree. Anything I deem a tragic mulatto representation. Same. I, I struggle okay. with it too. I, okay. So anyway, um, and so part of that was I grew up, but part of this is also, and you and I've talked about some of it's geography, some of it's the era in which you grow up. Both of those things are profound, no matter who you are, but they can be especially profound and complicated and nuanced when you're mixed, where yeah. and when you grow up. So I'm growing up Seattle, Washington in the, it was called the central area or the CD. I didn't know till I was grown that CD stood for color district. We were redlined. Oh, it was redlined. We didn't have, we didn't have actual Jim Crow. We had de facto. Okay. Economic segregation, like most of the North and the rest of the country that wasn't the Jim Crow South. Again, I was, I was a teenager before Jim Crow was eliminated and before interracial marriage became legal throughout the country. So just for context. So, you know, very hyper aware of all these things. Right. And so grow, I grew up and I just happened and literally, and, you know, I wrote a whole book about it, uh, but literally popped out black identified. I have never Two things. I have never not known what I was because my mother told me. Right. And she was just very clear. And then secondly, I literally don't remember a moment where I've not simultaneously been aware of and fine with my mix and being mixed and completely Black identified. And I just turned out that way. I didn't plan it. I didn't grow into it. I didn't evolve into it. I didn't do a pro-con list. (laughs) And at the same time, I am super, you know, super light-skinned and super ambiguous looking. So... And then, you know, all that. But but I grew up, and this is just the last few years, in these social media spaces. I'm not going to lie, y'all. Confession time for mixed auntie here. <laughs> I was judgy. I, I didn't understand, and I was judgy of and annoyed by, again, black, white, for a general category, first gen, biracial people who weren't as black identified as me and who didn't know the culture like I knew it, because I really, I really thought that's how most of us grew up. Now for context in the time and place in which I grew up, most of us, if we didn't grow up to end up being super black identified, Mm -hmm. we were black identified in public spaces and public spaces. Right. Like that was, and now the young people use one drop as an insult. Yeah. But the concept was, it was just understood. If you got any black, you black. Now, remember, this is during segregation and right mm-hmm. after segregation. Mm-hmm. This is right 
you know, after love, this is right. This is during the fight for Loving v. Virginia. Yeah, yeah. And the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. Yeah. So you're growing up, again, hyper aware of all this and the civil rights struggle in the South and the Black Power, Black Liberation Movement in the North. All mm -hmm. happening as you're coming of age, which is why my memoir is titled Coming of Race. In the yeah. Okay. So that for context. So I was like, oh my Lord, what's wrong with these babies? What's wrong with these babies? So <laughs> then, but then- I got. I have been schooled, really. You and I talk about it in the last year, year and a half in these spaces in the clubhouse room. Really helped, and I hope it comes back. Um, because I understood that demographically, yeah, speaking, they seem to be growing in number, and that many of them are raised, regardless of uh, where. Still, many of them seem to be white dad, black, uh, white, white mom, black dad. Mm -hmm. And whether dad is present or not, mm -hmm. they seem to grow up in, this is their descriptions, in completely white environments with yeah. little to no actual contact with anything or anybody Black. And that's oh, the yes, thing about that feeling that we had about, because I also suffered that too, of thinking like, why don't you know more about being black like this doesn't make any sense right. it was it was it was that part of they didn't have access and you and so access. we thinking we're thinking in monolithic terms that we're just born with all this stuff coming out of us yeah. when it really was about in our environment the culture and the people that are around us but in thinking back to my childhood i remember there's a few standout mixed folks whose dads were white and whose moms were black and in those cases they were all what i would describe back then as white acting yeah. And I wasn't thinking about it because I was bused in middle school to a white neighborhood, to a white school. And of the black, white, biracial people that I knew there, they were they had white dads and black moms. And so they, quote unquote, spoke proper. Um, they also had, quote unquote, regular names, not like Charmaine Latrice, you know, so things like that. Like those are the things that were informing my negative thought about what it meant to be a black, white, biracial person mm -hmm. who was raised with a white father versus in my case or whatever, it was a thing. You know, I think what we're learning now in this era more than ever is to give people grace, to give ourselves grace. Yes. So like giving ourselves grace for having problematic views. Of course, the reason why we had the problematic views is because the environment we were in was telling us to believe that way. Once we get exposed to it and we make that change, give ourselves the grace to like move on and not dwell over the fact that we used to have a problematic idea um, for those people that we are viewing as problematic. Same type of thing. Check in on them. What was the access you had to your groups? You know, what was this? What was that? You know, why are you and why are you inserting into a mixed space if you felt that way? You know, those kinds of things. That that's always been the struggle. And I, I'll say that even in the last year, and I think you and I have had this conversation too, of where I've walked away from even my own militantly mixed Facebook group when that demographic was popping up more often and becoming more vocal is that I felt like I didn't know how to communicate to a black, white, biracial person who was raised predominantly in whiteness and who was putting down, or in my view, putting down the black, white, biracial experience or the mixed experience that, that centered blackness. Mm -hmm. Like I get now a little bit better why that is the case, but that was a hard 
thing at first to, to the point of where I was like, am I going to start booting people out of my group? Because that was never my intention. My intention was to be more community based, but I feel like that was a harder group of people to pause and listen to and to have them pause and listen to us like that of all the groups that I've discussed um, this stuff with individuals and things throughout the years of doing this show, but also in my life in general, the hardest stop gap that I have had so far is in conversations with black, white, biracial people who were raised in whiteness. And unfortunately I, I understand why that is a hard block, right? Cause it's, it's damn near speaking to a white person. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it, it's not yeah. quite, but it is. Cause there's probably ways in which they're not identifying how they're, how they're not privileged. You know what I'm saying? Like they might not be able to see it as much, or if they see it, it's like an indignance to it because mm -hmm. of what they're used to. And so I think that was why that was such a harder conversation, which is also why it was actually kind of difficult for me to come up with a positive spin of, I think this was originally intended for healing for the people who were trying to access blackness in a positive way. Um, I was trying to get there, but that was really tough for me because I, I had that early interaction, those early interactions I was having were with people. And I told you about the one person in my DMS that was basically every three months trying to convince me that I actually hated that I was mixed with black. And I'm like, this is not a thing that you can do. <laughs> you you will never, you are not powerful enough or smart enough to ever convince me that my identity is not solid. So I think it's a place that even I still need to, to do a lot of work in and have more conversations. Um, actually, that's one of the things that we were trying to include in our mixed auntie circle was mm -hmm. a, a mixed auntie that included that specific mix who was raised in whiteness to give us that perspective Absolutely. Um, so that we could have that conversation, which um, in the group chat we do have for, for those of you who, yes. <laughs> um, which they'll, they'll be revealed in different meetings here and there from time to time. Um, and so, you know, like, I think this is an ongoing conversation. I think it's something that will always be um, in, until it's not, until it becomes not the wave, like, right? I think things go in different waves. There is the mm -hmm. white passing wave. There is the, you know, black, white, biracials are the white, right way to be mixed wave. Mm -hmm. There is the, is there room for a mixed Asian wave? And is, and then there's the, do you count Latina people as mixed? You know, like there's all these things that you kind of right. see sort of cycle through every so often. And then they come back again, but they come back with a little bit of, change like a little bit of well we learned something the last time this was the most important topic in mixedness now let's come back now we got new problems let's try to work this out so yeah we're gonna we're gonna be talking about this <laughs> i love that well i want to just two things i want to um take away that you said that i think i think these are the key words for today giving ourselves and each other grace and space room to grow um support and when we're triggered and I get triggered often. <laughs> I just tell you, I'm full of little triggers. Um, when we get triggered or challenged, um, again, give ourselves and each other grace and space. And then I want to add to my confession to co-sign yours that this, this cohort of the younger Black, White, First Gen biracials who are, and again, not saying this in a put down way, but processing through my lens, mm -hmm. my worldview and my experience, I, I, I struggle because, and then the, the petty, sarcastic, snarky 
hood person in my head is you just mm-hmm. a white girl. Just yeah. like that, you're a white girl. And then I'm like, mm, but you, Teresa, okay. But you <laughs> don't know. Yeah, like, I mean, know, but it's I mean, hard to like pause and tell yourself, honest, you don't know. That, that, I don't say it, but yeah. I'm, the voice inside is like, oh, she's just a white girl. So I'm ready to write her off, him mm-hmm. or him or them, off. I don't let myself. And so what I say now, and when I say this in a lot of these spaces, and I, let us be clear. If you want to know about me, I'll tell you about me, context, nuance, perspective, how I move through the world. I am y'all's student. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, but like you said, there's a wave right now. Yeah. And I need, I'm like you, Sharon. I don't, I do not know right now how to communicate with them. Yeah. I do not know. In my brain, I'm going to need to form a new neural pathway to communicate, to yeah. not write them off. As, you just, oh, oh, you just, okay. So you just really, yeah. in, because in my little limited here, this is where you fit. Even though you, I know you're, I'm not saying you're white, yeah. but I'm saying that I, in my highly racially polarized, political, politicized world and worldview and how I operate, I need to create and I need to learn from you. I need to learn to appreciate your experiences. And the snarky voice might stay in my head, but I just got to keep her in my head. <laughs> and because no, there's a part of me that's like, no, I, I, yep. You know, it's just real. Cause we're, come on. That's how we grew up. And it, it's not saying you're not worthy as a person, but I think if we acknowledge the gap and the breach, mm-hmm. that maybe then I would love to maybe do a panel with someone and say, let me, let, you know, let's talk about different things. And real quick, I interviewed some right during the height of the post George. Right. We were trying to do that. Yeah. Because I was trying to understand. And they were like, well, I really see it from both perspectives. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? The, yeah you do because the words don't match that necessarily sometimes that that was hard we were trying to get a panel together back then mm. and it wasn't, it wasn't it might be better out. now that things have kind of you know yeah maybe but, and i don't know i like i feel like some of those people have dipped i feel like one of them has really mm. stuck it out and i've seen uh-huh. that name pop up several times and and maybe they've had a few more conversations because the tones there's been a tone shift for that person um that i'm thinking of in particular uh but I, there's some of the names who I don't see pop up anymore. And so maybe we just ended up not being the space for them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there is a space that's safe for them. I hope that they're not in an echo chamber, though, because I do think that that is a group that does need exposure to mm-hmm. to other mixed folks and how mm-hmm. and um, how we all experience our mixedness. Um, because if you are experiencing it primarily through the white lens, and, and I, I'm saying this specifically, like the white lens only, um, because that is the system, the main system, because white supremacy exists and is in control of everything, yeah. um, that's going to be a lot harder of a of a line to toe and short of you kind of, quote unquote, undoing the mixedness by marrying and having children with other white people so that you eventually work that brown out of your yep. thing. You mix it out. You mix you it know, out. Like, which is ha- which has happened for a lot of people, like, in, unless that is happening, um, to try to exist in these mixed spaces, you have to understand what you don't understand Mm. for brown people. You know, the experiences that brown people have that white people don't. And even for a person who is mixed identify, you know, mixed ethnically, but doesn't identify necessarily that way. um, Their lens is not much different than a monoracial white person. So it's a lot tougher for them, I think, um, 
to get there. So I hope they engage. I hope they come back and listen. If you're listening to this right now and you're from that group that we're discussing and you want to engage with us, like I said, we we did try to put together a panel last year when this got real hot over the sun, like towards the summer, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it wasn't successful. Wow, I cannot speak today. It was not success. Okay, I'm not going to say it. I, we didn't win. It didn't work. <laughs> I, could not, I don't know what's wrong with me today. I couldn't say individualistic. I couldn't say success. Wow. Okay. Never mind. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to try to say that word again. I usually can say that word. I have no idea what's my problem today. Um, now I want to say all kinds of words that most people usually mispronounce just to see if I can say them. Uh, but if we were, we just didn't, we just didn't make it work. So we didn't make it happen. So it, we're still open to doing that and having that discussion because Please. the other part is because yes. we are not from that same mix. We cannot be the experts to talk about it. Like we need not at all. that experience group to, to engage with us. And that's how we learn. That's how they learn. And um, and that's a big part of what Millicently Mix is about. And and a lot of the conversations that our Mix Auntie group has, I think, too, mm-hmm. that's leading mm-hmm. into what Mix Auntie Confidential is becoming. Uh, we're going to go way over. So why don't you why don't we pause here and you start telling everybody where you're at on Mix Auntie Confidential and what yes. to look forward to in the next uh, month until they see you again. Thank you. OK, <laughs> so Mix Auntie Confidential is um, my new about to launch, I was trying to launch it today, y'all, but quality, more important, um, and a fun boomer story. So it's my new blog slash newsletter, and it will have levels. So you can be a free subscriber, or you can become a paid subscriber and, you know, get more content, those kinds of things. Really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm um, describing it as unfiltered, unapologetic rants, riffs, and raves, and resources, you know, um, for and about about mixed people. And um, I'm really excited. In addition to sharing my own rants and raves, I'm really excited to be also, I'll be featuring um, much like Charmaine does when a different kind of platform, but they're on interwoven, thank goodness. Um, Folks, resources, they might be a book, a movie, a podcast. It might be directly related to mixedness. It might be not, not even directly, but just stuff that I find valuable and think you might as well. So I, I love sharing and, and building community. And so I'm looking forward to do that. And I want to reiterate what Charmaine just said for that platform as well. Um, whatever kind of mixed you are and however you move through the world and whatever your journey is, I want to talk to you, hear from you, connect with you, learn from you and help amplify your voice and your experience on that platform as well. And Charmaine and I are already working together, like, just like this. So Mixed Auntie Confidential will be coming soon. I will hope to have it up and running for y'all um, before we I see you again and, and talk to you again. But I'm real excited about it and the potential for sharing resources and building community and all of us finding ways to, you know, support and amplify each other, lift each other up. And again, keywords for today, grace and space. <laughs> um, so that's it for us today, y'all. Uh, next week, we'll be back with a regular episode of Militantly Mixed. And then next month, we will be back with another episode of Mixed Auntie Confidential. And every month after, hopefully. <laughs> Stay mixed and be good. Nice. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one you can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. 
If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantlymixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.